Before we get into this chat with Chad, we wanted to take a minute to address the current time we find ourselves in and how you can help local businesses. Continue to support your local businesses however you can while staying safe. Order for delivery, pickup, or curbside service, buy gift cards, or check in online or through social media to see what options are available and how you might be able to plug in. You can also donate to your nonprofit of choice, helping to provide support for many of our neighbors impacted by this pandemic. We're all in this together, and we'll get through it together. Now, let's get into a conversation we recorded long before any of this happened. This is The Way Out There. Conversations and stories about the relationship between people and the outdoors. We interview outdoor leaders, teachers, guides, and everyday individuals who have answered a call to step into the vast beauty out there. By hearing their stories, we hope you'll be inspired to go way out there yourself. like to start with hard-hitting questions. Okay. How many mountain tattoos do you have? Mountain tattoos? I have three that you can see. (laughs) I'm not going to ask about any more. I have five. All right. So, you know, normally I distinguish people into kind of two camps. I feel like there's mountain people and there's beach people. Mm. Based on your answer there, I, I feel pretty comfortable that I know which one, which category you fall into. But what is it about the mountains that really kind of speaks to you and gets you to tattoo them on your body? Uh, the solitude. Uh, you don't really think of beach and solitude together. Usually when you think of beach, you think of family, uh, vacation, you know, beach towels side by side. Um, you know, it's a place where you go to kind of relax, enjoy. My type of relaxation is I, I enjoy the solitude. I enjoy the quiet. And, you know, it's, and I enjoy the hikes because it's not like a beach. I go to the beach, I'm going to gain 10 pounds in a week. I go to the mountains, I'm going to lose 10 pounds in a week. Uh, I like the exercise and I like the fresh air. Awesome. Yeah. No, I can't disagree with any of that. Um, is there a favorite mountain you have around here or one you find yourself gravitating to more than others? Well, I live uh, five minutes away from Paris Mountain. So if I want to go to the mountains, I can be at Paris Mountain. I can do uh, one or two trails within an hour and then be back at work. So about an hour and a half to two hours, I can be in the mountains and back. Yeah, I actually also live near Paris Mountain um, and, you know, hung out there a few times. But I will say since seeing a few of your uh, posts with the Copperheads, yeah, I believe there and a few other places, I now think twice about that. How often have you run into various terrifying and or dangerous things like that? Uh, I haven't seen a copperhead this year. Uh, about two years ago, I was still, it was copperheads. It was the season of the copperheads about two years ago. I would see, I probably saw at least a dozen in Paris Mountain. Lovely. Now I feel very confident about going out there <laughs> and uh, running around more. But uh, we kind of jumped right into this. So to give a little background, um, you are the co-owner, 
first up, your name's Chad. Uh, you're the co-owner of three restaurants now in the area, Southern Culture, LTO Burgers, and Habitat. Um, very popular restaurants. Southern Culture especially, I feel like, has become a cornerstone of kind of the culinary scene up here. Um, been around for a while, but we don't want to just focus on the restaurant end of things. You know, we started talking about mountains are very outdoors focused, but do you find that being able to get outdoors and your time in the mountains um, or even on the trails running, wherever it is outside, kind of helps feed back into your time in the kitchen? Yeah, it gives me time to uh, reflect of what's going on. It's my, uh, it's my decompression when I go to the mountains. So it gives me time to rather than lay in bed and think about what I've got to do at work, you know, it's actually relaxing for me if I'm hiking or running in the mountains that I can start thinking about what I need to do as far as my, uh, my itinerary for the week. And, uh, you know, it's easy to come up with food when you're starving to death when you're running. <laughs> so I, you get really creative when you start getting hungry and you start, uh, you know, I keep my cell phone in a little pack. So I'll kind of, if I stop, I'll write a couple of notes and then go back to my business. But, uh, you know, it's just my yin to my yang, you know, you do with the stress of work, but, uh, getting outside into nature, it makes, makes it all worthwhile for me. Yeah, for sure. Are there any uh, dishes that might be currently on a menu that come to mind as the result of being hangry in the woods somewhere? Uh, any burger on LTO's menu is, <laughs> is uh, a replication of uh, me starving to death or uh, trying to be so, find something different. And, um, you know, when I, when I started Southern Culture, I wasn't quite into the trail running as I am now, but... Uh, yeah, usually if you see something kind of off the wall at specials or, you know, we do a kind of a uh, every year LTO and, and Habitat for the first time this year, we do a 420 menu on 420. And that's usually where I throw out my really crazy ideas of what if I combine this with this just for that one day. And it's always, uh, well, no one's going to eat this. And then people come in and they're like, can you please put this on the menu? So it's always a good sign. People like eating uh, weirder and stranger things than I think most people expect. Yes. So that's interesting that trail running has been more of kind of a recent development, at least in terms of the restaurant timeline. Uh, how long has, for you, as the outdoors been kind of this calling and this place you go to unwind, decompress, experience solitude? Uh, I really, I was really into it in my early 20s. Um, I took a, uh, a little more than a month off from work uh, when I was 25. Um, when, uh, funny, when the poker machines were really popular in the early 90s. I didn't play them that much, but I just happened to win, like, uh, I put in $5, I won like $4,000. Only real time I actually played a poker machine. So I used that, I went to Sunrift right up the road, I bought a brand new backpacking tent, a uh, sleeping bag, everything you can think of that you need, state of the art. And I drove out to uh, Colorado and just hung out in Rocky Mountain National Park and went up to Yellowstone, a little bit of Montana for about a month and really got into the, uh, the outdoors and then came back home and, you know, big slap in the face reality. You can't make a living off that. And then kind of got lost into the uh, corporate world for a while. So it didn't come back to me until my, really in my late thirties. I took a good 10 or 15 years off from it. That's an awesome way to get started. Those aren't, uh, those aren't some bad places to first start experiencing the outdoors and really no, get into it's it. not. It's, I feel like that's a good mix of uh, some really intense and amazing outdoor spectacle, scenery, terrain, but also not quite like just going out into the middle of the Alaskan outback where literally everything is out to kill you as quickly as possible. Yeah, I read that book, um, Into the Wild. I think it was about the same time I did this. It might have encouraged me a little bit. I was, I was a little wiser in my planning. 
and yeah, I wasn't going to go anywhere everywhere I had had a map and, you know, I'm not going to get washed out anywhere. Or I'm not, I didn't eat berries, anything <laughs> like that, you know. What I, about mushrooms? You eat any mushrooms? I didn't touch any of those mushrooms, no. <laughs> um, yeah, planning can come into it, and that is one of the things I wanted to touch on. When you go out, especially to some of the areas you're more familiar with now, like Paris Mountain, um, when you go out on these kind of more regular uh, weekday or weekend trips, do you go out with a plan of where you're going to go, what you're going to do, or do you just kind of get out there and let the trails take you where they may? It's uh, either war. I, uh, some mornings I wake up and my wife gets frustrated because she'll say, where are you going tomorrow? I was like, I don't know yet. And then it's usually I'll send her a text at 5 o'clock in the morning, by the way, I'm going to Pisgah or I'm going up to Linville. And then I'll kind of on the way, you know, I'll start – if I've been there before, I'll start making up my mind. If I'm not, the night before, I'll start planning ahead. Okay, I'll try this out, or I'll try this area out. And I usually, if it's anywhere, if it's a two-hour drive, I'll leave my house 4.35 in the morning just so I don't deal with Asheville traffic and I can get to my destination and not worry about, okay, I could be back by 5 o'clock. You know, life, the regular life begins back at 5, get the kid home from school, dinner with the wife. You know, it's, you got to balance both. Yeah, Absolutely. <clears throat> Do you take that approach to, you know, we touched on kind of coming up with crazy menu items while you're uh, searching for any sort of food you may have on your person. Do you take the same spontaneous approach you do to some outdoor adventures back into the kitchen when it comes to creating or playing around, messing around with things? Do you go mad scientist? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the crazier, the better sometimes. Um, and a lot of stuff that you'll people never see that I'll create, they'll never taste, they'll never see a recipe before I've come up with some stuff and it's just complete garbage. It's like in your head, it sounds like a great idea. And when you make it and I, I've got a pretty good palate, but some of the stuff I'm like, thank God no one's here to see this. It's like, it's like creating a Frankenstein the, the, the first one that didn't work very well. And I just, I just throw it in the garbage and never talk about it to anyone. Any combinations you particularly want to warn other adventurous chefs to stay away from? Uh, blueberries and grits was not a good combination I tried to do. I tried to do a sweet and savory grits, and we use a Yellowstone grit at Southern. So when you mix that with the blueberries, you get green grits. All right. Flavor wasn't that bad, but you know, the eye is not very attracted to certain green colors when you're eating. <laughs> and, and textures of that, especially yeah. if you've had children, I imagine. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting, because that is not a combination I would have thought of, but as I think about it, it seems like it could work well. But I see what you mean with the color. Yeah. combination. So while we're on the topic of the menu and the food, and especially with your love for outdoors, I know right now there's a lot of focus on the interplay of our food supply chain and sustainability of the environment. Um, it's kind of a lot of different topics coming to a head and it seems to me at least gaining popularity, but maybe that's the uh, internet filter bubble I live in. Mm -hmm. So do you do anything around local food sourcing or sustainable sourcing or anything kind of that food around with the restaurants that try to focus local or organic or anything like that? Um, it's, it's, it's a very, uh, it's tough. I, I do, I know LTO, I use uh, farm-raised uh, grass-fed beef from, uh, oh, they're going to kill me. I just forgot their name, and I was just talking to them. Um, out of Degasville. Uh, Is it out Greenbrier? Greenbrier, yes. Um, and I'm not going to try to insult the city of Greenville, but the, the thing is, is people want local, they want organic, they want grass-fed, they don't want to pay the price for it. Yeah. Um, it's real easy to, hey, you know, I want, you know, I use the, the buns that we get from Masada Bakery outside of Atlanta, two Jewish ladies on it. It's no preserves, 
uh, nothing. I mean, you have these buns for two days, they start turning green if you don't sell them. I mean, they're, they're natural and they're, they're awesome. Uh, and I, I kind of swallow the price on some of these things so the customers can get the best. Um, but, you know, if I say hey, I've got ground chuck and I still get a good, really good uh, brand of ground chuck for LTO, but I'll say, well, you know, if you want grass-fed, it's $2, $3 more for patty. And most people, oh, no, I don't want to pay that. Well, you know, grass-fed is three times more expensive than regular, uh, what you get anywhere else. Um, as far as, you know, recycling, you know, we use some of the, most of the boxes we use are made of recycled material. And again, they're 30%, 40% more. And what you don't see on the bottom line is if you sell on, you know, two or $300 or, or two or 300 to go boxes during the week and you're using that recycled material, you're eating a lot of money out of your bottom line for that, uh, for those recycled boxes. And if you try to add on, hey, if you want to take out order from here, we're going to have to add an extra 10% to your uh, bottom line. And people are like, oh, I don't want to do that. Uh, you know, it costs a business a lot of money to try to be green. And, uh, and a lot of the, you know, Greenville City, as far as their pickups, you know, a lot of places you can't get a box, a box, a cardboard box dumpster, a glass dumpster, and then your, your food dumpsters. Um, again, a lot of money um, to be able to do that. So I try to use uh, local as much as I can at the same time to keep within a price point. Some things you kind of have to buy. You know, not necessarily big box, but you have to kind of be smart of what you pick and choose to when pick or choose your battles of what you want to be green and what you want to be or local or organic on. Right. Yeah, it is a tough balancing act. And, um, you know, there's a lot of focus on it now, but I think the focus is more on the things that don't directly impact, at least in a lot of articles and kind of trends you read. And when people, I think, try to go down this path, there's not as much focused on how it might impact bottom line for households or businesses. There's kind of the educational aspect there, but um, it is awesome that you have those options uh, available and you do try to do what you can to save the environment. I think, you know, a lot of people that do like the outdoors realize that there's that also the tough balancing act between living a normal life and a life that's comfortable, but doing the steps that you can to make sure that there is an outdoors to then go adventure in right. later down the line. What is the craziest um, lengths you've gone to for some sort of kitchen exploration or menu item creation? Um, I mean, it's not, you know, most in this day and age, it's not hard to get whatever you want. Um, and I don't know if I'm finding the right example here. You know, we do these crazy shakes at a I love those shakes. LTO, and uh, I never made a milkshake in my life when we opened up LTO, especially one that's this tall. <laughs> and my business partner brought in a, a pastry chef, bless her heart, come in and show me how to do these shakes. And I sat with her for about four hours, and she's making all these shakes. And I was just like, I hate them. I hate these shakes. I hate looking at them. I hate making these shakes. They're not fun. Uh, I've seen five or ten other places that do these same exact things, and I, I don't, you know, they were sending me videos of restaurants doing these shakes, and I'm, I'm not looking at these videos. I don't want to do shakes that everyone else does. So I one day just went out and bought every kind of sweet treat, candy, ice cream prop you could find for shakes. I bought like $600 for the stuff, and it's amazing the amount of stuff you can find when you're looking for it. Uh, I bought Twinkies, I bought Fruity Pebbles, I bought uh, Butterfingers, um, Peppermint Bark, all this other stuff. And I really fell in love with the one shake at LTO, the Stone Cold Sally, uh, which is aptly named. Um, 
It's you know, it's peanut butter ice cream. We put a fruity pebble like the Rice Krispie square around it. We put Twinkie in it. We put caramel. We put Butterfingers. We put uh, bugles, which bugles were an accident. We, I was standing over the shake eating a handful of bugles that I bought from Ingles, and a couple of them fell on top of the shake after I made it. And I just threw three or four more in there. I was like, you know what? I like this look. Um, but how all the best things occur. Yeah. Uh, the downside is I can't get uh, half the stuff from my truck. So every week we go out and buy Twinkies. We go out and buy you know, Butterfingers. We go out and buy uh, Fruity Pebbles I can get. Although it's not really called Fruity Pebbles, it's that stuff you get in a big bag that's called like Dino Bites or something. They can't call it Fruity Pebbles because there's a brand name on that. So every week, you know, my kitchen manager and myself have to go to and hit, you know, I don't make Twinkies anymore. So I don't know where all these Twinkies come from, but they're always in different spots. So we go all through Greenville trying to buy as many Twinkies as we can because we sell, you know, 100 of these shakes a week. So you never think that if I thought ahead of time, I would have never done a shake with a Twinkie in it. <laughs> I hope that uh, hearing your secrets doesn't cause like a run on Twinkies in Greenville County. That I wouldn't put it past a few people just go buy some Twinkies just so I can't put it in my shake. <laughs> yeah, I actually uh, I'm partial to the cinnamon roller girl. Yeah, uh, I like that one. That was what first clued me into the fact that I really like cinnamon flavored milkshakes and sweets. So yeah, her nickname is Princess Leah in the restaurant because <laughs> it looks like the two buns and the ears. I can totally see that. That yeah. makes sense. Um, so the one thing I did want to ask about, which I was kind of leading into with craziest, and of course, as soon as I said the craziest lengths you've gone to, I realized it's really not crazy at all because there are plenty of people that do this. But I guess as far as um, specifically for potential menu item creation, it's a little more, as my wife put it, um, it's, you're a method chef. You go all in when it comes to thinking up new menu items. And that was I was told that you went vegan for a while to see what menu items might shake loose. Uh, before we really went vegan at LTO, I... Um submerged my life for two months of being a vegan. How was that uh, experiment, adventure? I hated it. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not a huge meat eater, and unfortunately, Greenville is not a place you want to be vegan. There's only a hand, small handful of restaurants. If you live in Asheville, you could probably live your life as a vegan. But also being on the active lifestyle, um, I need a lot of protein and I can only, you can only eat so many beans and you can only consume so many mushrooms for iron. And you could ask my wife at like six o'clock at night, I'd just be sitting on the sofa, just slumped over because I had no energy, no matter what I ate. Uh, the plus side is, is you really, you get a great appreciation for vegetables, for their flavors. If you cook them the right way, the beauty of the colors, it's a lot more vibrant, you know, meat is either brown or it's white. Yeah, so it's uh, unless you've cooked it wrong. Yeah, yeah or I, I guess say red, but on the on the inside it's red, but on the outside it's usually brown. You know, there's a lot of carcinogens in, in the meat that you eat um, and vegetables. You know, you really you become a better cook because you have to be more apt to try and create your own flavors because a lot of vegetables, especially if you cook them, you don't really some of them don't have any taste to them. Right, and you eat a lot. But you also, you, you lose your snacking appetite because most stuff you snack on is not vegan. Um, so Oreo cookies, I found out, were vegan. That was one thing I remember. Uh, I feel like it was back in high school. For some reason, someone noticed that they were vegan, and that has always stuck with me as if I ever decide to go vegan, Oreos can be... Uh, I found out a month later. <laughs> and there's no, uh, there's no substitute for bacon. Any vegan bacon they come out with is just garbage. I try to make bacon uh, carrots, 
And tempeh, I could never, I could never grasp tempeh. It's just that the uh, texture just couldn't do anything for me. Uh, tofu with some Asian uh, influence is really good, but I could never be vegan. Your teeth are made to eat meat, so. Have you tried any of the new plant-based non-meat meat? Like uh, I think what the Impossible Burger, and they just teamed up with Burger King or whoever it was, and then there's. A bunch of other brand names I can't think of now. Um, and then there's like Loma has uh, the plant-based chorizo and stuff that's available in Ingles and things like that. Have you tried any of those? Yeah, we use uh, Beyond Burger at LTO. It's one of our biggest sellers. It's basically, it's isolated pea protein and they use beet juice to give it to the, uh, the red meat color. Um, yeah, 25 grams of protein and four ounces of that. They do bratwurst. They do uh, like the uh, meat crumbles. We use Impossible Burger at Habitat, which has more of a burger look and texture. Uh, since uh, Burger King decided to launch that, you can't find them anywhere. They produce faster than they can, or they're selling it faster than they can produce. So you can't find Impossible Burgers outside of Burger King anywhere right now. So everyone boycott uh, Burger King so that Habitat can get their Impossible Please. Burgers back. <laughs> Please. Um, can you, I have not had a chance yet to try any of those burgers. I'm assuming if they're on your menu, you've tried them. Can you tell the difference? Are they close? Are they definitely different? Um, are some better than others? Beyond Burger tastes like a Bubba Burger. If you ever had a Bubba Burger, the frozen burgers you get from anywhere when they're cooked, um, is if they're cooked the right way, I mean, they taste, they're, they're not, nothing tastes like a burger other than a burger, but, uh, it's a good substitute. They're not going to get the crunchy outside the normal burger does. They're not going to really, you're not going to get the, as juicy on the inside, but it's a great substitute if you're a vegan. Awesome. I'm going to have to check those out. I don't know. Uh, I think they're becoming more and more available. I think we were talking about uh, Swamp internally at Outpost Blue Ion. Um, Swamp Rabbit Cafe and Grocery, I believe, has some of the stuff, mm -hmm. uh, some of these plant-based alternatives. Um, when you were doing the vegan thing, obviously you said, you know, it was tough to find energy. Did you find any little bits or hacks that were able to, help you increase your protein or anything like that? Or was it just... I ate a lot of beans and I ate a lot of uh, vegan powder um, milkshakes to get my my um, protein. And so I, I like to... I was usually... I eat about 100, 120 grams of protein a day. And I was getting about... Forcing about 80. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough amount to augment with just vegetables and plant-based... Yeah, sources. and you know lentils or beans. I don't tell anybody if you eat that as much larger your diet, you're not going to be very popular around anybody. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, the old schoolyard uh, joke and song hold true. Yeah. Uh, do you have any tips for people in this area that might be looking to go vegetarian, go vegan, increasing their plant? Places that you definitely have to go to, whether it's to shop or restaurants. Obviously, you can plug your own, but any other places that might not come to mind is definitely vegan, vegetarian friendly. Uh, Southern Press Juicery is uh, 100% vegan. They have a lot of uh, juice substitutes in there. Uh, they have a lot of supplements. Um, also, um, the little uh, there's a little tiny Indian restaurant right across the street from where the Great Escape used to be. I think it's Handy. Mm -hmm. uh, they're great. Uh, Family-owned, and they're wonderful people. They're very friendly. Uh, the uh, little Indian place right across from Habitat. I'm horrible with names. I can't remember half my restaurant names, but they're across the street. They're, they have a lot of options. Pita House has a lot of, uh, you know, Mediterranean can be very friendly to the vegan and vegetarian population. And that's probably my favorite restaurant in Greenville. So Yeah, Pita House is great. Yeah. It's been way too long since I've been there. 
Um, jumping back to the outdoors and kind of getting into some more rapid fire. It doesn't necessarily have to be rapid fire in your answer. Um, but we did mention you kind of really got into the outdoors, especially mountains, and spending time out there with a pretty epic trip out west that yeah. I think most people would envy. Is there anywhere else on your, whether it's kind of recreating that or anywhere else on your bucket list where it's definitely somewhere you're itching to get out to? Uh, I'm currently trying to uh, persuade myself to go to New England area. Uh, New Hampshire, which has beautiful mountains up there, and uh, Maine. Is, I'm trying to do a, uh, a road trip up there. Uh, I purchased my vehicle specifically so I can camp out of the back of it, and very low-key without having to carry much stuff. And I don't like RVs. I don't like uh, pulling campers. So uh, I'd love to do that. Uh, you know, of all the states, I've never been to Arizona. I've probably been to, you know, 90% of the states, but I've never been to the Arizona or Southwest, so I'd love to check that out too. Yeah, I'm actually uh, born and raised in New England, so I can yeah. vouch for it's a pretty great place to get yeah. out, and um, especially if you, which, you know, it's when everyone else goes, but if you time it for leaf season, get up there in the fall colors, it's yeah. pretty crazy, but there's just, you know, a ton of places to escape to up there, and lots of campgrounds. We camped out one time, some buddies and I, uh, just a campground you can roll up to near uh, Cape Cod, and you can just, like, walk out to the beach from there. Uh, so that that sounds stuff, nice. So. Um, just, you know, only get in the water if you're ready for it to be really cold and potentially get attacked by seals or something. Um, we talked about kind of favorite mountains. We got to Paris mountain. Is there a, I also know you're into trail running and running in general. Is there a particular trail or route that if you had to choose just one to get out to and run, that would be like your first choice to run the whole trail or one that I try to run, uh, either or really just, is there one place that you, you particularly love running? Uh, I like uh, Looking Glass Rock. Um, it's not an easy trail to run. It gets really rock at the top. But I enjoy it. It's, a, it's about six and a half miles round trip. Um, Table Rock, I've run to the top and bottom a couple of times. Pinnacle, I'm still trying to uh, achieve that run up top, but that last 18% grade in the last quarter mile, I'm not going to run that. Oh, that sounds awful. We just ran the uh, Ville de Ville back in, I think it was April, and there are some crazy hills there. I was originally slated to run two of the hillier, and then we got a runner in at the last minute that needed the earlier legs. And yeah. at first I regretted it, but then realized that was only my unnecessarily competitive nature and wanting to conquer it, because after I drove them and saw what she went through, I was very happy that I did not <laughs> have those hilly portions. Yeah. Um, hills seem to be one of those you love running them or hate running them. Yeah. And it's definitely a dividing line. Yeah. Um, so one thing I'm always interested in with people that run or hike or do any of those kind of activities, do you listen to music when you do these or are you uh, no music, listen to nature type person? Uh, it depends. If I'm a uh, Paris mountain, I'm going to listen to music. Uh, I'll put my, my beats in my ears. I'm not concerned about surroundings. If I go in the wilderness like uh, Linville or I know there's, I'm not at the, uh, bottom of the food chain, I'm going to keep my music off and keep my ears and wits about me. So if I'm, uh, you know, Linville Gorge, I don't listen to music. Um, Looking Glass, I've been up there so many times, you know, it doesn't bother me. You know, Table Rock, I kind of, I keep my music off. I've seen some, seen some animals bigger than me up there. So, but uh, Paris Mountain is probably the only place I run with music. Or if anything, I'll keep it on the outside and very low and yeah. listen to it. Yeah. Makes sense. So, uh, I think the last question I've got for you and one I, I personally like ending on is 
you know, your craziest, funniest, wildest, most outrageous outdoor or mountain related story, or just the first one that comes to mind when I ask that? Um, well, not too long ago, I've probably got some better, but I decided to go up looking glass and it just snowed here. They're the only good snow we have here, and it kind of warmed up a little bit here, so I went to Looking Glass and uh, hiking shorts, and I had some Vasque uh, hiking shoes, which nothing's waterproof when it goes above your ankle. And I started hiking up the mountain, and towards the top, the snow was getting about this deep. And I uh, got to the top and saw the overlook and turned back around, and the sun had warmed up a little bit, so all the snow started turning into mush and water. And uh, my feet, about a half mile coming back down, my toes started curling up, so I was getting frostbite and getting a little hypothermia. So every, I started, you know, kind of hopping my feet and trying to move faster and run faster down the hill. And you can't run because you can't really see the trail because you're, I mean, I'm stepping in holes this deep. And uh, about every quarter mile, I'd pull my shoes off, pull my socks off, bring my socks off and beat my feet and move my toes to get them, I get some feeling in them so I didn't, getting kind of permanent frostbite and uh, it got to the bottom and uh, turned my, my heater on my car and just kept on full blast. So I found the closest Walmart and ran to Walmart and bought some dry socks and uh, went inside and uh, the, the bathroom, the, you know, someone's coming in and I've got my sink under, under hot water <laughs> trying to get my feet back, uh, back into, uh, that was the uh, probably earliest, the worst I thought I was going to be injured because my toes were, really screwed up. Uh, probably the dumbest thing I ever did was uh, go to Colorado and on the whim, try to do Long's Peak, uh, which is a 14er. And uh, I just did a 12 mile hike the day before. I'd been in Colorado for two days. So I wasn't acclimated and you know, high altitude sickness is no joke. Yeah. You know, they, there's no planning for it. Doesn't matter how good a shape you're in, it can hit anybody. And, uh, I was literally uh, walking back down a path. I'd been down a few times and thought I was lost. and was literally sprinting the last half mile to get to the trailhead because I thought I was on a different trail. I was never going to reach the end. And it seemed like the trailhead was just getting further and further. You lose concept of time. And if you hike enough, you know, I know I've hiked about a mile just from cadence. And this, I was like, I know I've gone two miles and I've only been hiking 15 minutes. It just, it wasn't smart. Yeah. Well, this, uh, this, you know, touches on what you said about the first one, planning a little better into the wild. For all you kids and adventurers listening at home, make sure you plan properly, especially when it comes to altitude or any type of potential winter weather, because those two <laughs> things will sneak up on you fast. Yeah. You do this enough times, you think you're indestructible, and all it takes is a little Mother Nature to smack you upside the head and make you realize, oh, I was an idiot for doing that. So I think that's just the lesson for life in general. Yeah. Yeah, I've been lucky, knock on wood, several times. Uh, yeah, most of my hikes, I usually bring back up a water. I'll bring, you know, I got my truck's a bug out bag. I've got everything you need in there to survive. And usually if I'm going hiking, I'm like, I'm just going here and back. I'll just take a quart of water with me. And next thing I know, I'm five miles off track and looking for water sources to replenish. So that uh, also speaks to the spontaneity and just going where the path leads you. Yeah. Yeah, my wife hates it. <laughs> I could I could see why. I can't say I don't understand that perspective. Yeah, yeah, she gets mad at me sometimes. So Also a good sign that she does want you to return from all of these adventures. Yeah, we. my mark-off time is I need to respond to her by 2 o'clock or she starts getting a little freaked out. And last time I was actually, I wasn't lost. I was just way off 
course, I ended up on the mountains to sea trail. And for whatever reason, I had a little bit of Wi-Fi, not Wi-Fi, but uh, phone service. So I sent her a text like, I'm not lost, but I'm about where I'm supposed to be. So don't freak out. I'm not going to be for my 2 o'clock check-in time, but I know where I am. And she managed to find me on Snapchat where I was located in the forest. So she knew kind of where I was. And she said, well, I know where you are. I was like, well, that's not really. I'm four miles off pace, so I'm not going to be home for dinner at where I am right now. So It's also the wonders of technology and being able to use some of these tools like Snapchat or something like that to help locate you or loved ones when they're out adventuring. It's, you know, we, we talk about needing to disconnect from these devices more often and getting out there and doing these adventures, but they certainly make these adventures safer. Oh, yeah. Uh, and also more possible with all the mapping systems that we've got. Yeah, I won't leave without my phone. That's one thing I'm going to remember because that could be the one thing that saves your life. Yeah, I do love when possible running without my phone simply because I don't have like an armband or waistband and I hate having it bang against my leg. But as yeah. soon as I'm not at somewhere like Furman, uh, Swamp Rabbit Trail or around my house where I know, I'm just like, all right, I'm, I'm taking this. Or uh, if there's something, you know, with my daughter going on at home and when she was really young, I was like, I've got to have my phone because I don't want to come back to an empty house to find out that's when the emergency occurred. Right. So I don't want to be laying somewhere with a fibula sticking out of my leg and thinking, man, I really wish I hadn't left my phone in the car this time. Yeah, especially once you start getting into trails and hiking and everything like that. You never yeah. quite know, as your uh, pictures of snakes and various things have proven, you never quite know when you might get in, into trouble out there. But really appreciate you coming out to do this. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Been great. Anything else you want to mention, outdoors or restaurant-related? This can be the uh, the pitch zone for you. No, I don't want to pitch anything. It's I pitch enough on, on uh, social media, so... Well, I will, uh, I'll pitch for you because all the food at the uh, restaurants I've been to so far have been delicious. So definitely go and check out if and when you're in the Greenville area, Southern Culture, LTO, which are handily right next to each other. So you can go to one for uh, breakfast, brunch, and go to the other for lunch, dinner, however your timing works out, and uh, or get down to Habitat. Check them all out. Support the local businesses and go grass-fed when you can. We hope you're staying safe, washing your hands, and finding ways to get outside. We have a lot of great conversations coming up, so make sure you are subscribed in your podcast app of choice. If you can, support your local businesses, charities, and anyone else who needs it. Until next time, we'll see you way out there.